You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Welcome to Done By Law on 3CR, 8.55am. This is the program that talks about legal stuff that we think you want to hear about. Um, welcome to those also listening via 3cr.org.au uh, online. It's now uh, two minutes past six on the 2nd of March 2021. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional and rightful custodians of the land we're broadcasting from. We also pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and we acknowledge that this land was stolen, never ceded. We're your hosts tonight, Daniel Bavcevic. G'day, Dan. Hi, Sue. And Sue Robertson. That's me. Dan is luckily in charge of the control panel. I was going to be doing that, but um, you may have been exposed to weird silences and weird sounds. So (laughs) Yes, apologies for those listening live on air tonight. We uh, had a few technical difficulties and you might have been uh, copying (laughs) some uh, replayed live music. Apologies. (laughs) Anyway, um, tonight we're going to be chatting about Australian consumer law and your right to have something you buy repaired if you need to. And we have a special guest who knows all about this. But first, just a quick follow-up on a couple of programs we broadcast in the middle of COVID lockdown last year. One about Clive Palmer's court, court case to challenge the West Australian closed border and the other is I've forgotten, Dan. Over um, to you. About the Mental Health Royal Commission. Uh, yes. Yeah, look, in the in the past week and today, uh, we've had some significant developments in relation to topics we covered in depth during 2020, and so we felt um, we should just um, follow up and let our listeners know where those uh, cases or situations are at. So, firstly, today the Royal Commission into Victoria's mental health system published their final report with 65 recommendations. You can check out our episode from the 1st of September in 2020 where we discussed how this Royal Commission was prioritising lived experience. Um, We won't go into full detail about the 65 recommendations tonight, but what is clear from a brief overview is there is a large focus on lived experience contributions to the recommended reforms and changes. Um, Also back in 2020 when we were in the midst of the uh, internal Australian hard border lockdowns, we analysed the High Court challenge that Clive Palmer brought against Western Australia um, in the high, um, and you can check out our fascinating <laughs> conversation about the case with Professor Kim Rubenstein on the podcast. Uh, just look out for the State Border Closures episode from the 4th of August in 2020 on the 3cr.org.au website or where you get your podcast from. It's also on there. Um, we learnt on the 6th of November last year that Palmer lost the case, uh, but the High Court has only now just published their reasons for their judgment, uh, which are now certainly the subject of many constitutional lawyers and professors' analysis. And we're still waiting 
to find out what those opinions will be on the impact of the the judgments. But from what we can briefly see for now, it appears that the main issue concerning Section 92 of the Constitution about the freedom of interstate intercourse um, and movement um, had not really had consideration in that such depth as it got in this case um, and so it appears that there's probably going to be some confirmation of the way uh, the constitution and the court interprets um, the that, freedom that section, of interstate yeah. intercourse which is not an absolute freedom as we've no. found out there is uh, limitations when it's reasonably justified like any kind of freedom really yeah now anyway um let's hmm. uh let's get into the the main yeah. stuff Now to the main topic of tonight's show, and it's about, you're right, as I said before, about having something repaired if you think you need to. So what happens when you buy a car, a new laptop, or even some furniture, and you get it home and you realise it's not working properly, or there's something wrong with it, and you can't use it? Can't you just take it back to the shop and ask them to fix it? Doesn't the Australian consumer law protect you? Apparently it's not always that easy or straightforward. Tonight we're chatting about your rights to have things repaired in situations like this and the stumbling blocks that you might face. Our special guest is Bridget Rose, senior, I'm sorry Bridget, I mispronounced your name, it's Bridget Rose, uh, senior policy officer at Consumer Action Law Centre. Bridget is the author of a recent submission to the Productivity Commission's inquiry into the right to repair, and she's going to help us make sense of this issue. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, thanks for having me. Beautiful. Thanks for giving us your time at dinner time ish <laughs> on a Tuesday night. Um, so firstly, it seems pretty over the top to have a whole productivity commission inquiry into a consumer's right to have a repair for something that's broken or dodgy when you buy it. What's been happening to make this a necessity? Um, so I guess just first before I answer, I definitely want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I am as well, which is the Kulin Nation, um, and also acknowledge that that land has never been ceded um, um, but to your question, um, we do have a right to repair through the Australian Consumer Law. It's something I think we all expect here, and we that is enshrined in law. But um, there are issues with access to uh, that right. Um, there's also um, an issue with an environmental issue. Uh, so there's there's um, a right to repair or to reject for a refund or replacement. Um, But this inquiry from the Productivity Commission was focused on both the environmental aspects, it was focused on the consumer aspects of choice, and um, also focused on the consumer law. So it was a pretty broad consultation. Right. But some stuff, it's obviously been, if all of those protections are there, it must have been going wrong if we needed a Productivity Commission inquiry. What's been going wrong? You sort of, you talk about in your submission three sort of main problem goods that consumer action has come across. That's cars that turn out to be lemons, as in bad cars, not yellow colours, and um, dodgy electronics and unusable furniture. So could you tell us what consumer action has discovered from your clients about trying to get these repaired in this situation? 
Yes, definitely. So the focus of our submission was on what we hear about from our callers, and we operate a legal advice line at Consumer Action Law Center. We also um, operate uh, the Victorian service for the National Debt Helpline and have financial counselors on the phones as well. And what we're contacted about um, all the time are consumer guarantee issues, and consumer guarantees are part of the Australian consumer law. Um, and the issue isn't that a person doesn't have these rights to get something repaired if it's faulty. The issue is actually uh, engaging in those rights and um, bringing something back to the store and having the store actually, um, you know, repair that product without trying to charge further or taking that product back if it can't be repaired. Um, and then on top of that, there's an issue with, going to a dispute resolution body, um, if, if it doesn't work in the first instance, when you go back to the company, um, we have something in Victoria called the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal, which is our um, standard tribunal where you would go with this sort of issue. Um, but access to that tribunal is not as easy as it would seem. Um, so we have a lot of calls from people who don't know what to do and they have a broken product if it's their car, it might be their family car. Uh, it might be their means to get to work. It might be their means to take their children to school, to get to the doctor, um, and particularly in outer suburbs, regional areas, and even really for anyone this past year during COVID, um, where public transportation wasn't as much of an option for people. Um, so it causes a huge uh, dis disruption in their lives when they have this faulty product that isn't working. If they're not... Um, financially advantaged enough to have just you know a fair car on hand. Yeah, Bridget, I've um, I'm curious to talk more about this accessibility to consumers' right to repair as one of the main issues. I've read the Consumer Action Law Centre submissions, and I I was very um, interested in one of the highlighted case study examples of um, a client that's gone by the name of Scarlett who had a situation with their car, like you've touched on, um, where it broke down and it was quite an expensive car that they needed particular modifications for given a, um, a disability issue. Um, but they were asked to get really costly expert evidence um, to support their claim to exercise their right to repair. So um, is, this one of the, is this one of the ways that there's an inaccessibility for people to exercise their rights because of the cost of trying to enforce your right as a consumer to get things done? Yep, that's, that's the nail on the head, really. Um, here in Victoria, um, VCAT requires an expert report, um, and that expert report would uh, be the evidence that, you know, that the, the car has a major failure, which is one of those... Um, hurdles, legal hurdles that you need to show when you um, um, to have the choice between a repair, refund, or replacement. Um, and the evidence can be um, generally over a thousand dollars. In the case you were talking about, there was there were towing issues as well um, because that person lived regionally. Um, but the the cost of expert evidence is really prohibitive, particularly for the the clients that. Um, we help at Consumer Action Law Center who are generally experiencing um, vulnerability of some kind, um, and often that goes along with um, financial vulnerability and financial disadvantage as well. Um, so the, paying $1,000 or more 
for being able to access the tribunal uh, is basically it's a, a complete barrier. Um, and it means that if the dealership, um, in the case of a car or the retailer, doesn't um, you know offer good dispute resolution in the first place when and help you uh, enforce your rights that you're entitled to, then that's um, basically they know the cat card and um, that might be a, a barrier for people who can't access support. So what might good dispute resolution? Um, as you've suggested, look like? what's um, Well, what's Consumer Action Law Centre suggests that a good dispute resolution process looks like? So, I mean, VCAT is helpful in some areas, but in particular cars. Cars are such a problem. They, when, when they break, they basically throw a person's entire world into, um, uh, I guess, into a mess, uh, particularly particularly if other members of the family are um, relying on the car as well. Um, and so uh, we think at Consumer Action Law Center that there should be um, a specific um, specialty dispute resolution body for cars in Victoria. Um, and that should be no fee. And it should have the experts, the experts uh, as part of the tribunal, which would take away that onus on a person to pay a grant um, in order to have their car assessed so that they can enforce the rights that they have. Wow, it, that's really... I'm just thinking about how many uh, lemon cars there must be out there for the submission to actually make the suggestion that a special um, dispute resolution service be set up just to cover cars. That That's big. Is that the most common call from people who need help with this? Um, yeah, well, so the, from the calls that we get to the legal advice line um, in relation to consumer guarantee breaches, the the most relate to cars. Wow. Um, it's, a big, it's a big problem. It's a lot um, of dodgy cars out there. <laughs> that's right. And we've heard even, um, you know, we've heard multiple times from people whose cars have broken down in the first week uh, oh. and they struggle to... Um, to be able to access repairs that they're not being charged um, a huge amount for or um, or to eventually be able to uh, reject the car. Um, there's seems... a lot of... Uh, on, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, it's... Um, sorry, I've just run out of my train of thought there. Sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It seems like um, this process puts the onus on the consumer when, in fact, it's it's actually nothing to do with anything they've done. So it seems kind of back to front, really. Yeah, and, and, and it really seems like it relies a lot on luck. And if you're unlucky enough to be sold a used um, terrible car or a new terrible car that breaks down um, and you don't have... Uh, and, and especially if you're experiencing financial disadvantage and you can't just pay for this expert report, then you're really um, up against it when it comes to our current system. Um, and we help a lot of clients uh, with their cars, but uh, there are plenty of people out there who we just don't have the capacity to assist, and the same with the other community legal centers as well. So there, this will affect a lot of people. Um, Brigitte, I've, I've read some of the other submissions that you can check out on the um, Productivity Commission's website. Um, 
that have been made from various interest groups and um, some, for example, that represent car dealerships and other uh, manufacturers or service providers um, sort of indicate that we already kind of have a right to repair under Australian consumer law with the current consumer guarantees um, and that they don't really want a change to be made in the law. Do you think or does Consumer Action Law Centre feel that there needs to be an amendment or change made to consumer law as it is or is it more of a, a process and jurisdiction issue? Um, I think we... Currently it's more of a process issue but we think that there can be changes um, that would assist with that. Um, for example, one is that um, if... If there was a presumption in the law that a defect discovered within six months also existed at the time of purchase, um, that would be really helpful in uh, avoiding the need to to show this expert report. For example, um, it could also help um, people with their right to repairs um, if it's a complete if they want to repair something that's a completely different issue. Um, then it would mean that they are able to do that, and it won't affect uh, them later on trying to prove that that's not the reason why their their car is broken down, if it's totally unrelated. Um, so if there was uh, an inclusion in the consumer law um, of a defect in, discovered within six months, existed at the time of purchase, that would be uh, very helpful. Um, there's a few other changes to different laws um, that I think would be relevant as well. Um, one is in relation to um, extended warranties, which... Um, we think are just generally unhelpful in, re in relation to a right to repair. Um, a consumer actually sort of uh, think of them as junk insurance. Um, extended warranties generally don't provide more coverage than what a person is entitled to under the consumer law. And really the, the reason they exist is because um, some dealers and some retailers and manufacturers make it so difficult for people to actually um, enforce their consumer law entitlements. Um, so we actually are also suggesting in relation to these extended warranties, which can have an effect on where someone takes their their product to be repaired um, in, the, in relation to cars, it might mean that you have to go to that particular service provider at the dealership um, in order to maintain your rights under this extended warranty that you paid for. Um, and we think that these extended warranties are often pressure sold at the time of the sale and that they should um, they should be required to uh, comply with some deferrals that have been uh, required for other types of add-on insurance products, um, which come October this year, won't be able to be sold until four days after a sale. So we think extended warranties are very much along the lines of add-on insurance, and they don't provide much of anything, uh, more than what the Australian consumer law already covers. And so um, in in that, they should be uh, not able to be sold within uh, until four days after a sale. So that there's actually going to be a change later in the year that, that implements a bit of a cooling-off period for an extended warranty. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not for an extended warranty, no. It's oh. for other types of add-on insurance, oh, okay. um, but we consider extended warranties to be very similar uh, in the way they operate, so we think it should extend to extended warranties. Well, that was a bit awkward. But we think it should yeah. uh, be um, applied to extended warranties as well. 
they're a bit cheeky really, aren't they? You pay us more money for us to not look after you in the way we should have in the first place. That's right, yeah. And we we hear a lot um, uh, of clients being told, well, that's too bad, you haven't got an extended warranty. And um, it just completely ignores the consumer law. And there's a culture out there that you don't have rights beyond uh, you know the the standard manufacturer warranty if there's one of those or an extended warranty if you paid hundreds of hundreds of dollars to get that and it's just not true. Um, we've got the consumer law. It's just that there can be difficulty accessing it. So Brigitte, like on that on that topic, I guess that there's these faux warranties or you know they're really add-on insurance sort of scams. Um, is there and and people are basically being directed away from exercising their consumer law rights is there something that needs to be done um just on a basic you know um campaign basis or information sharing advertising um sort of strategy from from the government um to promote people's knowledge of their ability to exercise their consumer rights is that something that perhaps needs to change i think that this um this particular uh, a particular statement that needs to go um, with information on extended warranties, um, we've seen instances where that has not been included very recently, even though by law it must be. Um, and it basically says that this doesn't uh, exclude your consumer law rights. Um, it, it might be helpful, I think, for consumers to know more, but we tend a consumer action to sometimes think that that sort of disclosure doesn't always help the way uh, the way you might assume it does. And more, a, a better process would be for um, retailers and dealers to really be required to undertake more training on this um, and to, um, that they need to understand that the consumer law covers the goods that they're selling um, and they need to make sure that they don't try to make any statements otherwise go on dan oh look i was um i was going to just turn the um the topic away from cars which we've been focusing a bit on and to perhaps some some of the other common products that consumers will deal with with like um phones and uh laptops computers computer devices effectively um because that's often something that commonly comes up as um difficult to get repairs done when there's uh, a malfunction. What's um, Consumer Action Law Centre identified as key issues in that space? Um, Well, one of the areas we're working in is telecommunications. Um, And one of the the issues that can happen when something like a phone device or a a tablet breaks is it's actually really unclear to a person if that's the device or the service. It's not always clear what the problem is. Um, and unfortunately, the way the system is set up, um, basically, if, if it's a device issue, you have to go in one stream, and that's to um, your civil and administrative tribunal. But if it's a service issue or a device linked to a service, you can go through the telecommunications industry ombudsman. Um, so that's, that's sort of a difference that most people on the street would have no idea about. Um, and it really funnels where they can go to access their rights. Um, so we think that, you know, if you buy 
a phone from a, from an electronics store, you should be able to take that to the telecommunications industry ombudsman, um, just like you would if you bought the phone from Optus or Telstra. Um, and we also think that it would be helpful um, in Victoria if there was a direction power with the um, consumer affairs regulator, which they do have in New South Wales for uh, for lower value goods, so goods three thousand dollars or less, um, where they can actually make a binding direct direction um, on a company, um, and that would be helpful for people dealing with things like phones. Um, iPads, computers, which often fall within that price range, um, that can be it, it can be just difficult to take the next step to go to VCAT for that sort of item. So you think the uh, TIO, the, the Telecommunication Industry Ombudsman, is should be kind of like a one-stop shop um, for these kinds of um, IT communication issues, rather than it seems like it would be very confusing if your first language wasn't English and you haven't been in Australia very long, sort of working your way around these systems must be pretty tricky. Yeah, I would think so. I think it's, um, I think it's tricky for everyone. And I think if you, um, if your first language isn't English, for example, that just adds, um, um, it, it becomes another level of difficulty for you to try and sort through, um, and I think, yeah, if, if if the telecommunications industry ombudsman were able to do that, that would be very helpful for consumers. Currently, they're limited to their members, which are all telecommunications companies. But there are a lot of places where people buy phones and mobile devices now. Um, and it's very tricky when your access to your rights depends on how you purchased it. So, Bridget, um, I feel there's a, another big thing that, needs to change with uh, consumer behaviour or manufacturer's behaviour mainly is the planned obsolescence of, of products and the environmental impact that has. And is that is that something that a right to repair, um, if enshrined um, and really encouraged in Australian law, could, could change and um, help reduce waste? Um, I probably can't speak to it in, in relation to reducing waste. Um, I'm definitely in favor of reducing waste, but it's not my area of expertise um, on that. But as far as, I mean, one one big issue with planned obsolescence is that it will also have a disproportionate effect on people who are experiencing financial disadvantage um, if there's something like your phone's blowing because your, your software upgrade has made it slow down when it was a perfectly functioning phone before. That can be a real problem um, if you if you don't have the luxury of having you know multiple devices. Um, that can be a major issue for you contacting uh, telehealth this year. It can be an issue with you contacting you know Centrelink online. Um, it's, it really has a disproportionate effect on people experiencing vulnerability. So I think that it planned um, on planned obsolescence is pretty terrible in that way um, in addition to the uh, the waste that it would cause. Mm. So just for our listeners um, who might not be on top of that notion of planned obsolescence, that's the idea that companies make things not to last. So they actually 
you you buy something with a planned um, lifespan um, and of course the most familiar one we use well I'm certainly used to is a, t- a phone a mobile phone um, so just explaining that term okay Brigitte we're getting to the end of our time here um, so uh, thank you for yours uh, just before we go if our listeners need help with their right to repair who should they contact um so at Consumer Action Law Centre, we have a legal advice line. There are some eligibility criteria for that line, but I'll give it out anyway. It's 1-800-466-477. Um, we also have a specific Curry helpline, which is 1-800-547-457. Um, and that is free legal help um, on the phone, 15 minutes of that. Um, uh People can also go to VCAT. You don't need a lawyer to go to VCAT. Um, I've just talked about the issues and accessing it with expert reports, but one thing you don't need is you're not required to have a lawyer to go to the tribunal. Okay. Um, yeah. And um, where can listeners find your submission, your fantastic thorough submission, on the Consumer Action Law Centre website? Is that the place to go? That's right. It's on, under consumeraction.org.au under policy and campaign. Uh, Brilliant. That's there. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Brigitte. We really appreciate it. Um, and um, that's the program for tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And this program will be available on podcast. Go to the 3CR website and head to the Done by Law page. And stay tuned for our friends from Voices from West Papua. That's right. See you later. See ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.